You're listening to The New Paris. I'm your host, Lindsay Tremuda. It's la rentrée, and I'm back to my usual home studio and routine, which means I'm ready to kick off the fall and the end of season seven with some fresh conversations to boot. I haven't been completely away from the podcast, though. As I mentioned in the last episode, I've been working on a special series that will drop later this month that I'm really excited about. But until then, let's kick off September with a friend, entrepreneur, and previous guest of this show, Jay Swanson. We're going to talk about his new project, Paris News, and what you really need to know if you're coming to the city this fall. Hey, Jay. Hi. I think don't worry about sunscreen might be at the top of that list. (laughs) Are you usually worried about sunscreen? During the summer. I'm very, I very much need sunscreen. I've been really good about it this year, too. And you have a hat. Like, you're prepared, actually, right now. People can't see. For people, this is an audio medium, so I am uh, a pasty bald man. (laughs) With a hat. Who needs to wear hats. And I should have been wearing sunscreen my whole life, but um, picked this up recently. Sometimes you learn the things you need to know too late. Hey, sometimes France comes through for you. But you buy sunscreen at the pharmacy here, which still throws me. What, what do you mean? Where would you buy it in I the don't U.S.? Know, just like it or just any rent Target. Just anywhere, you know. Interesting. By comparison, you could buy it just in a variety of stores. Same thing like when you're here. This is just off to a random start, but it still throws me that you have to ask for ibuprofen over the counter. Do you know, okay, this is you bring up an interesting point because having been... Um, I don't want to say heavily medicated, but needing to medicate this summer for a variety of reasons um, and having had severe allergies in the spring. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I asked the pharmacist about, you know, the quantities that come in in the allergy meds and in the Doliprane and everything like that. And he's like, well, yeah, because we want to make sure that people aren't overdosing because people, I guess, previously. How do you overdose on ibuprofen? Oh, anything's possible. I, anything's really, possible. Yeah, but I can overdose on gravel. I mean, like just. True. You could go out stomach. in the street and eat gravel. Yeah. But here, I think it's it's especially bad with, I think, you know, antihistamines and other mm. sorts of things. Benadryl, you get sort of that loopy. Getting a little high get that, on the yeah. Beno, yeah. And, and he was like, you know, this, there were a number of drugs that were over the counter and they had to walk back that decision when, you know, young people were coming in basically to the pharmacy and asking for big packs, like multiple packs of antihistamines. And Dude, I love to get ripped on Advil on a good Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> well, totally Advil's not it. an antihistamine, but I know what you mean. <laughs> All that to say, there are reasons behind that, yeah. but I agree that it's also not cost effective. Yeah. And it's also that thing where this is a thing for viewers uh, or listeners for whoever Are you, you are. a YouTuber? <laughs> Maybe. Um, the... Uh, I actually do bring back like big like Kirkland brand tubs of ibuprofen when I come home. I do too, honestly. it's so much cheaper yeah. and just like, just not have to worry about it. To be fair, there's very few items I bring back from the US anymore. Well, you can get and Flaming that's... Hot Cheetos here now. So, I mean, what else do you what do? Are you, what are, yeah. They what cost more... nine euros a bag, but hey. <laughs> what more could you want? You can get it if you need it. I was going to say, not necessarily cost effective, but yeah. So as I said, this is la rentrée, which is the period that we call back to school. Uh, but really, it applies to adults because they've yep. also been on sort adults of adults get vacation in France. It turns out right, yep. and not just France. Like when we joke about the French having extreme vacation time, it really extends to the Germans and the Fran- and the Italians and and a lot of Western Europeans. Like it's not yeah, unique ex- to France. They've they've started, to, but, I, I, but that was also one in the concessions in '68, right? Like that was where that comes from. Somebody's telling me that uh, in France, because I was talking about how like man, it's just a part of the culture, and they're like, well, 
sort of since yeah like 68 it became part of our culture people had to fight for this and it's good to remember that like these things aren't we i guess we i think of it as this immutable facet of french culture and the reality is no they had to they had to fight for it like you like you said so that's actually something that i think azuri talked about azuri aki on the episode um a few episodes ago where we talked about vacation time and also the way people structure their break during lunch and yeah. where that stems from historically. You know, all of these things were things that the French took to the streets to fight for. Mm. So when we think that all these rights are sort of, you know, born, given, you know, no. instantly, you know, what do we call those? God-given rights or yeah. born? No, you have to fight for rights. Yeah, yeah. you have to no, fight for rights. Yeah, God-given rights. What are the... Somebody, somebody in their car right now is screaming the word... <laughs> So someone's like, what is wrong with them? Inborn rights. So anyway, so back to school, it applies to adults. Uh, it is a time when the city especially fills up. You yeah. have Paris Design Week that starts in September. Then you have Paris Fashion Week. Yeah. You have food festivals. You have, in my world, you have the beginning of all of the um, pastry previews for December. Hey. So literally, as of next week, I can take I can taste bûche de Noël that is going to be served in December. It is it is insane. How how, do, how how does one in your profession not get diabetes? Um well to be honest, I I notice uh, a trend in myself every September. I go from having balanced habits to then becoming a sugar fiend again. Yeah. So yeah, I have to walk risky. into these experiences with a little bit more caution. Um in addition to other things that are coming in the fall. And, and so I'm wondering sort of what does it feel like for you this period of... The opposite. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite. What do you mean? The I'm opposite of what I feel. I'm vacation soon. Um, that is smart. Yeah. I love the... If for This is a, a hack for anyone at home. If you don't have kids, don't take vacation in August. Hang out in Paris. The place calms, quiets down. Obviously, a huge portion of the things that you're going to love to do are going to be closed. But not museums. Not museums. But then, I mean, if you're visiting, you're going to be great for that. The trick is finding the the bars and restaurants, the things that I think Lindsay and I collectively really love that are still open. And even the ones that say they're going to be open, often you show up and there's a piece of paper in the window that just says, we're gone till the end of August. And you're like, ah. Um, and they didn't And they didn't update their Instagram or the know, website. But even the one I'm thinking of, a, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, drop names um because I, I think she probably listens to your podcast but there is someone who said oh don't worry we're going to be open in august and then decided to go on vacation anyways so like they even on their instagram everything they're like we're open don't worry and then we're like eh, maybe we're not you're gonna tell me after i'll tell you after and so which is fine but it's that thing here that actually my favorite story about this this is a sidebar but when i first moved back to paris there's a pizza place that opened up just down the street and they were already like swimming upstream. It was a vegan pizza place, very small, no seating. Like it was, a, it was just a, it was a project that was kind of already destined for a rough future. They opened like the third week of July and then immediately closed in August for vacation. And you're just like, do you, do you guys not need to make money? Like, is this, are you just signaling that you're a friend? So it's just that funny thing where it's like, yeah, it's sacred. Um, but for me, it's the opposite because yeah, when September, everything already this week, it's coming back to life. Some of my favorite places are opening up again. Um, Chalita down the street. I just forgot entirely uh, that they were opening back up today. I saw them yesterday and then uh, I forgot. So I'll go back there very soon for sure. But it's fun. It's, a, it's, it's life's coming back for me. So my workload doesn't necessarily shift or change. It actually makes my job easier uh, when, when places are open. So. Sure. I mean, for me, in theory, it's just that 
you know. Well, you get a break from emails and things like that. That's the thing. And so now the emails are coming back. And when emails were calmer is when I would have liked all my friends to be here. Yeah. They're all like, see in September. And I'm like, what do you mean? That's two and a half months from now. Yeah, exactly. No, I was was hoping for a little bit more friend time. But I think that's when you also realize, well, I can just kind of chill. No, I know. I think it is a good reset. And and I think you, you're onto something, which is you go away. Yeah, because the Parisians all come back. The thing is that uh, Parisians in particular flood a lot of France. And a lot of everybody in France is, is moving around, having a vacation. So if you go, and I'll be going a little bit later, unfortunately, to where I'm headed. Um, but usually if you hit that like first week of September... Everybody just left, but everything's still open, even in the small like beach towns. Mm-hmm. And so they are happy to have you, but also everyone's just kind of whew, relaxed Chill. a little bit more. Yeah. They're like, okay, everybody just left. We just have one more week or however long, and then we can close things down. So that's kind of the ideal time to go. And then you're everything's empty, and there you have just whole beaches to yourself, and it's pretty magical. So obviously you can't leave until you... Um properly usher in this new project that yeah. I know you've been working on for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, first of all, the, pro- the the sort of umbrella project is Paris in My Pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a, a, I mean, it's a series of, of, of very specific types of videos on your YouTube channel, yeah. which is where you're perhaps best known, and a guide. And you're now turning what was a PDF guide into early access so it's still early days but of uh, a deeper uh, kind of guide experience that isn't you know it's more of a you can can really take it with you anywhere but it doesn't require sort of knowing how to open a PDF you know it's much more straightforward and it has amazing user navigability so what is what was the motivation behind this and and what is this project this next step going to allow you to do I'm so excited for the future Um, I'm very excited for right now though too the whole thing came from when I first moved back here. So I lived in France the first time in 2007 and then again in 2012. And when I lived here in 2012, the idea for where we're headed with this initially, I it was the, the first time I had the idea for uh, just trying to make travel and exploring a city more fun and more interactive and keeping you as somebody, I know this always comes as a shock to a lot of people, but as somebody who makes my living online, like I would like to help people get offline more and actually look around. Like when you're in Paris, you shouldn't be looking at your phone. When I see people in the like Louvre gardens or like just anywhere in the city and they're just staring at their phone, swiping on TikTok and not, I don't know, engaging. I think for one, I think it's just kind of unfortunate because you can literally do TikTok anywhere in the world. Like here you are in Paris, let's enjoy it. But the other side of that is it's also because maybe it's not so accessible. Like you go to a large city, Paris is huge. There's, and we bring up the Louvre. You can never see the whole Louvre. Even if you live here, you'd have to be going every day for years before you actually saw the whole thing. And then they would swap stuff out and you have to start over. So like, maybe it's also because it's not so accessible and easy to get to. So trying to find a good bridge for that. And when I first moved back and I was vlogging on YouTube, I was vlogging daily when I came back in 2017. And Pretty quickly, they're just, I got a lot of requests for recommendations, as you do all the time. I think anybody that lives here gets a lot of requests from friends or family, anybody passing through. But then the more you become associated with the place, the more that that changes. And for me, I was like, okay, let me just put this all in one place and I'll just sell it because I can't respond to the same comments all the time. I just don't have time necessarily to do this. And 
And you have a knowledge. Like, that's the other thing. There's yeah. the, the knowledge you have that, you know, is not some... Well, I was I used to be very insecure about that knowledge, though, because I think for me, too, my guide to the city is very much like how I see the city and what I love about the city. I love the city. I, so for me, I fell into the whole tour thing, the whole, like, telling you how to enjoy Paris, because when I came here, I came here just because I love the city and I wanted to live here. I wanted to write. I wanted to make videos. Um and so I, the, that insecurity came from that place of like, I don't necessarily have like this formal training or anything, but I can tell you what I like. And here's where I found it and how I found it. And, and I love exploring and I've loved just trying all these places and going and seeing, seeing the whole city. And um, so that PDF just kind of grew because it was like everything from where should you stay, depending on what you like to do, um, to like how to avoid scams, uh, how, you know, all these kinds of things that just kind of compiled over time. And as the PDF grew, I think the last version of the PDF is something around 150 pages long. It's a book and it just becomes less and less accessible. And so kind of at the same time that I was working on another project related technologically, whatever, that we hope to get to someday, I was like, you know, let's just simplify everything we're trying to do right now. How do we take this PDF, make it more accessible? easier to get around to use to do research and so when you're sitting in the back of a taxi and you're like wait what was that one thing he said to do to make sure that i didn't get overcharged in a taxi it's really quick and easily accessible and you can just find that or if you're walking around in the i don't know the like seventh where do you get coffee Mm -hmm. and if you happen to be a specialty coffee drinker luckily there's specialty coffee all over the city now that there didn't used to be, but it's still not necessarily self-evident right? and not always easy to find. And there are a lot of Pinterest board copycats out there that'll still serve you questionable coffee, uh, but the aesthetic will be okay. So at least you got that going for you. So how do I take all this knowledge and all my own attempts and exploration and stuff and bundle that up and make it easier to use? And so you've, You've launched this early access, so you're, yeah. you also have a Patreon where people have you know followed your work for years, and you give all sorts of bonus content and yeah. and and experience, and you know sort of well anecdotes and stories and things like that. And so this really is the first stage of what is going to be a regularly updated. Yeah, the cool thing is that it means now that it's not a PDF and it's a it's an online platform basically that will we'll get to a place where it's offline again, where you can access make, it offline make sure that you can access it offline again. Um, we have a lot of really big plans for it, but we're just trying to improve the the experience one step at a time. But already in just using it in the last couple of weeks, been able to delete a place that we found recently closed, been able to add a couple of places that I went to. We went for drinks recently mm-hmm. and I was like, this place is great. I'd heard about it for a long time. It would have been on my list. Hadn't made it yet. So as soon as I go, I can take photos while I'm there. I can write up a little description of why I like it. And boom, you have another option for great cocktails in my guide. And so that's super cool. And the whole Paris in my pocket thing, like I has also been its own experiment. But for me, again, for anybody who doesn't know my history, my whole YouTube channel was very much just my life, like mm-hmm. my daily life, sharing stories about my past, my hopes, my dreams, who I was. And I got to a place last year, I've burned out more than once and I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot. Uh, hopefully it never happens again. And we can talk about burnout whenever you want. But <laughs> the thing about it was that I was like, I need to stop. In the words of a friend, uh, my buddy Nathan, I need to stop strip mining my life for content for a while. Like Oof. I need to take a step back from this I need to become a little less emotionally available for a while. 
And Paris in My Pocket was a really good answer for that. It was a series that I had launched on my channel. So it was a sub-series, basically, that was just focused on recommendations, what to do, where to go. Um, and so we kind of planned, we're like, you know what, let's redo a series that I did before, the 20 and 20, where I, previously I did 20 videos in 20 days, one in each around his month. And uh, I was like, well, we can do it a little bit slower this time. Yeah, that, that would have been properly exhausting. Yeah, so we're releasing one a week right now, and it's still going. Um, but... Let's just like take Jay out of it to some degree. Like I'm there, obviously I'm, I'm making these videos. I feel like they've gotten better with time. Like it's fun to flex those muscles and try something else. But um, but that that's part of that evolution too, where now on my channel, I definitely plan on getting back to the personal stuff. There's a lot of fun stuff that I look forward to doing. But Paris in My Pocket's also been a really nice way of like, hey, let's stay engaged and let's focus on Paris for a bit um, and maybe let like bleeding heart Jay go... <laughs> A scab over for a little bit and then like <laughs> maybe come back a little less a little less uh a little less bloody so one thing i think is quite interesting that you have uh on the guide now um, yeah. and you did have it in the pdf but obviously it's you know as you as you mentioned it was basically like a book yeah, yeah. and what's much easier to find now is these sort of tips and tricks yeah things you didn't didn't necessarily think of or know you know when a certain market pops up you know i think you mentioned the market on Rubo Repère in yeah. the 10th, yeah. which, to be honest, for a long time, I even, like, was not even aware of his, uh, of its existence. because yeah, it's only um, there once a week, yeah. It's one, it's once a week. Or, or no, the once first, a month, sorry. Once it's a month, the, yeah, yeah. It's one of month. those, for, can you imagine the logistics if that was once oh a week? Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, Already the just food markets block. blow my mind. Um, But, you know, so you incorporate things that are, you know, perhaps less obvious as well. Yeah. Um, But what are the metrics that you're using to decide whether something gets in or not. I mean, that's something mm. that I get asked a lot. And, you know, yeah. obviously I have my my food favorites and it doesn't mean that something that's not on the list isn't worth going to, yeah. but it just might not be on my, you know, must try. Yeah. I'm thinking about this a lot right now because we're, because we're also trying to build like a proper company now. Um, speaking of burnout, one of the biggest things to get away from that is to start giving work to other people, right? Like, delegating we talk about this a lot you and i talk about this yeah but it's that thing of like okay what are all the things the low-hanging fruit that like kill me that i could give to somebody else they would do better probably enjoy doing it and i could be free to do more of what i need to be doing and so part of that process is actually right now talking about how do i make a recommendation how do we systematize this in a way that like we don't we don't want to remove the soul from it but when you get to the point like in my guide there's like 350 places probably and it's growing all the time and that opens up all these questions like, yeah, quality and and um, is there a limit? Should we put a hard cap on this? And, and also think, budget, right? Because it's yeah. not it's not like you're going. I mean, like you could include, you know, super high end restaurants. Right. That's obviously not necessarily what drives you when you go yeah. out. And so, you so know, stylistic choices then. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. hundred percent. And I think something like even like flea markets, like I, I enjoy flea market. Okay. But it's not really my thing. Um, but then you're like, well, this one's cool. And I think, I think like for food, for like drinks, food, that kind of stuff, the, the main driver I've come down to and think about this a lot is like, would I go back? Like what I really like to go back. Um, so that can mean like it's the diviest dive bar, but the people are super cool. The vibe is fun and the beer is kind of cheap um, or they have that one really good beer on tap or whatever. Or, you know, it's the the Nat Wine bar that just has that whatever the, to the tapas is that I crave the most that week kind of a thing. Like I'm just like, oh, my gosh, they're octopus. I have to go back for more of that. So I think for me, the main thing is to be able to tie in because I mean, there are places that I recommend that like 
have negatives to them too. You know, one of my favorite tap houses in town, their food has gone over a cliff since COVID and it's genuinely just not that, actually two of them, now that I think about it. I would still definitely go there for drinks and I would still definitely go there for the vibe and the staff are cool and it's a really great place. I would just eat something somewhere else first. So trying to make sure that there's an honesty to it there where it's like, hey, I would go here for this one thing and I think it's very worth it because there's no perfect place and things are always changing and your tastes are always changing. And that's why then also the systematization matters because I cannot go back to 300 plus places a year. And we do want to do a little bit more upkeep than just like, are they still open? Like I would like to figure out, okay, how do we make sure we go in and verify that this is still worth it? Um, it's, a big, the, it's a big but, task. But this is the challenge even of traditional guidebooks when they yeah. do updates. Literally, I mean, usually they're not paying the person who updates to really go back and even do those uh, quality tests. They're really just checking address and are they still open and has anything yeah. obvious changed? But that doesn't really clue you in. No. Um, and, and that's also why, you know, my recommendations will evolve. Always. Um, or if there is, I don't know, a controversy around a certain yeah. person involved in the project or something completely sleazy or inappropriate, like that's, you know, I'm not a magazine. I don't have, I'm not beholden to, you know, like, promote people. I don't, yeah. you know, need to support or shouldn't support. I think the thing for me is 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 transparency and it's like, you know, there are places because I think I, I got to a place we've talked about this a lot. I got to a place where I was getting really snobby because I'd just be like, I don't I was so closely tied to my identity. I didn't want people to think like, oh, Jay sent me here. He must suck, you know, like <laughs> because there's one thing that I really liked about it or whatever. And and um, and then I finally realized, like, what am I doing? Like, if you're going to sit on a corner terrace, this this is the honey, the honey pot, the trap for tourists. If you're going to sit on a, a corner bistro with red awnings and like wicker chairs and you get like a half decent view and you get like a 15 euro Heineken, you know, at the end of the day, who cares? Like you're, you're in Paris, you're sitting there with somebody you love. You're getting to watch the world go by. Hopefully. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they're not driving you nuts. And you're getting to drink a nice, crisp, cool beer that, yeah, maybe it's not like a craft beer or maybe the wine uh, tastes like it was filtered through socks, whatever it is. (laughs) Like at the end of the day, like you're here for more than just like really like the best of the best, you know? Well, well, this is why some people will always make an exception for the, you know, the corner cafe coffee, even though it's, you know, for you and I, it's absolutely undrinkable. But but this I thing, it. I don't want it to be undrinkable. I guess for me too, with that, the beer and coffee is the same for me now. It's like, I I prefer if we're going to go anywhere, I'm going to go to a place that I know is going to be really good, blah, blah, blah. But is that worth necessarily the extra 20 minutes out of my way when I just want a coffee right now and I'm having a good time with this person? Like, right, maybe not. Maybe not. So for me, I would honestly, it's the same thing with like food. Like every food, I, I know there's a way of appreciating it. I will always try food I don't like again because Eventually, I, I probably will actually come to like it for one reason or another. A lot of my favorite foods now, a lot of stuff we're talking about, coffee, wine, beer, like so many things like I did not like when I first tried them. So you develop an appreciation for them. And I think in the same way, I would rather get back to like really appreciating like a hangover kebab and a <laughs> cheap espresso and just like, you know. There's a place for it. Yeah, 100%. Like. There's, there is a place for it. And I think that we, at least for me, I, I was at risk of cheating myself of some really nice moments just because I was stuck on like the quality of the coffee. And it's like, you know what? I'm here. Just enjoy it for what it is. Just enjoy it and then have a, a better coffee tomorrow, you know? 
So when we're talking about tips and tricks, uh, you know, you're able, as we talked about, able to keep it up to date. What are some of the new developments that affect us and could potentially affect travelers as well that you will talk about in your guide? Yeah. Well, the one you referenced already is my favorite new page, which is just random stuff in Paris that you should know, like that flea market. And every time I find something new or I'm reminded of it, I add it. It's really fun. But the one that uh, we were talking about earlier is tipping in Paris. I have a section on tipping that I always said, if especially for Americans who feel just honor bound to tip right. before they leave or they might not make it out the door. Uh, if you're tipping by card, the way the machines work here, they bring the machine to you, they put the amount in and then they just charge you. So if you don't tell them I would like to tip before they put the amount in, they're only going to put the amount in that you owe. Some people do ask, well, they'll say things like, oh, can you make it 40 instead of 35? 100%. You can always round up. But if you don't say it beforehand. Right. They're not going to do it. Yeah. They won't know. You can leave cash though. And you can leave cash. And so what I always said was either, like you said, round up, say something ahead of time. Traditionally, it's only one or two euros for really good service. You don't have to tip. Um, And actually, I've lived here long enough that I am very much out of the habit of tipping. But uh, you know, you have to make sure you say something. Otherwise, the credit card machine won't work. And if you don't have cash, then you're you're sorry out of luck. But uh, what has changed recently, this, I feel like just this summer. Uh, it's been m- since the beginning of the year, I think. Yeah, the, I remember the first time I think I saw it was maybe in March or something. Mm. But like, it's proliferated. Um, credit card machines now will offer the option to tip. Uh, which everybody is going to be used to coming from somewhere like the States. Where they flip a screen around on you. Where they flip a you. screen on you and then stare at you as you choose what your option is. The same thing is happening here now, but it's on the machine. So I've been taking photos whenever I see it to add to my tipping section because what I said recently is still true, but now there's this new option. And what's affecting us locally is that, I mean, f- the French aren't used to this. Like people, there's a lot of there's a lot of friction to this because I, I, there's this initial guilt of like, wait, am I supposed to, what do I do with this? This I've never it's seen this screen awkward. before. Yeah. It's super awkward. And the restaurant owner that I was talking to today about it, the re- he said the reason that he turned that feature on was because nobody carries cash anymore mm-hmm. and his staff never get tipped anymore. And he pointed to the empty tip jar. And so I jokingly said, I hit the no button. I said, well, I can pay with cash. And I just threw a euro in just to joke. But I kind of feel, and I'm actually interested to hear if you think this is the case. I'm wondering how much of this is coming from the development of tech and the infusion oh, of American sure. culture into well, think about the it. Technology. You have uh, Stripe functions here. Yeah, uh, different p- payment platforms are global or or at least you know European wide, and you know the idea of turning a screen around. I mean, we see some of the coffee shops we go to, yeah, where you can you know swipe a. Uh, or type in your phone number to get points for your visit, yeah. and in the same on the same screen, I think you can you know, do extra things on this screen, you know, and that already was sort of like, you know, the only other place I had seen this kind of feature was the McDonald's and all the fast food that had replaced the, you know, not replaced, but had added all of these machines where you can just go up and place your order there. Um, And, and the, yeah, the technological uh, stage of the dining out process, obviously this would never happen in a fine dining restaurant. Yeah. Um, that is not how it works. They will never show you that screen because for them, that is not part of hospitality. Right. Um, however, what I think is a bit awkward is in this learning phase where uh, the place where I first discovered it, what was what took me aback was there was a whole explainer 
<laughs> so the person who, you know, the server or whatever who was bringing the machine over to me, you know, said, ah, and you're going to see another screen. It gives yeah. you the option of leaving a tip. This is new. And and so then they're standing there waiting. And depending on how the machine is, whether they hand it to you or they're holding it, you know, there's yeah. this moment of like, this could be very awkward. And what if I don't want to choose one of the proposed, you know, template amounts and I want to leave less because... In France, service is built in, you know, yeah. so really it's a it's an extra kind gesture. But this, we could see this becoming, uh, you know, like an across the board feature, yeah. at least in Paris. I don't I don't foresee this coming super quickly in other other French cities, although who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely for me, I was kind of I asked I've been asking every time that I see it now. I'm like, do you, do you get a lot of pushback for this? And they always say, yeah. They're always like, yeah, there's... But from the French. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From like the, whoever the, the the service staff or manager or owner, whoever I'm talking to, I'm always be like, so what's the reception been like? And they're like, not great, but, you know, it's interesting. It, I mean, it, understandably, like, yeah, if you can open up another revenue stream, if you can support your staff another way, so forth. But like you're saying, like, they already make, they're not making under minimum wage here kind of a thing that there's a, a big difference in how hospitality is generally just approached and how services approached like and labor fees and the yeah. the, the whole way of earning wages well the question i have to actually every time the other question i have is like will you actually get this oh well that that's a question for me even when you leave cash oh yeah that's or fair. coins because yeah. who knows there's some establishments like chains i remember to, to date myself when i was in college i worked at starbucks yeah. and everything that went in the tip jar was split amongst everyone who's on a shift. Yep. So obviously in a restaurant, it's a bit different. You have someone who's, you know, conceivably tied to a, a table. But do we know? No, yeah. We're sort of assigned to a table. But do we know that they end up walking home with all of it? Yeah. I think in fine dining, it's probably more commonplace. Yep. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. So it's an interesting feature. I think you're right to call it out because it can be very surprising. Yeah. And maybe the American travelers won't even bat an eyelash. They may not. And I think that's, and they may also be like, whoa, these numbers are really small. Cause like, like a lot of the tips are like a euro, like, are anywhere they? oh yeah, like the options. I think I got a photo of one of them. The options are like 50 cents, a euro, euro 50. So they're not like listing that. percentages. No. And if they are, they're very low percentages. Because on the delivery apps, oh, yeah. in Uber, for example. No, those are by euro though, too, aren't they? You add a euro. Do they offer they? a percentage? I feel one? like there's a there's a potential I always percentage tip on my, feature. I always tip on the delivery apps, but at least on delivery, it's it's a uh, you hit you hit a little button for every euro you want to add. That's interesting. If I get delivery, I only I give them coins when they bring ah, because yeah. I am not convinced they that's fair. They get it. That's fair. But well, anyway, the way but the way they respond because they when they see it, they always thank me very okay effusively. So well, not always. Some some of them don't, but uh, th that response has told me oh they're actually going to get this. I feel like if I tipped them and they're like huh, then I might re reevaluate that maybe i should all that to say that's a very interesting tidbit that is quite fresh are there any other things you've noticed um that you feel like travelers should be aware of whether it's in paris in my pocket or not you know it may be something that's super new i can think of one thing if you want me to get started sure. which is that as of now because we are today we are august 31st but tomorrow is september 1st and all of the e-scooters uh, on the on the sharing apps or whatever. God, I don't even know how to talk about this. Lime, Lime, yeah. Uber. Well, it's funny because we actually need to for a short that we're making. We need one of those for. Well, a you're going to have to maybe rent one. They're hard to find. I've been looking around, and they're really hard to find. 
they're already gone apparently i think well so that's my my, my point is that I, they I, have I, already I, been I would, collected and yeah, I've, I've seen a couple the joke might be we might have to make our own lime scooter like all that to say paris is basically one of the first cities to ban them to ban them yeah and i think it'll be really interesting to see how that goes because I mean, I'm happy that they're gone personally just because I think that they're annoying and they cause a lot of problems and so forth. But I don't think that it's necessarily fair to shove all the blame onto them when there was never any accountability to begin with. Well, there's no education. There's no education, but there's they're not if the if the rules were enforced. But this is the same with cyclists. Yeah, I'm just saying. I know. This is a a bigger cultural issue. So to to punish them as a group entirely. and, And I went on sort of this mini rant after I voted on the matter and when people were outraged that it looked like it was going to get banned, yeah. my question was, why isn't the city doing anything to enforce rules? So, like, yeah. whether it's the e-scooters or other forms of, uh, you know, mobility. everything. But then I have some friends who are who work in sort of city planning and urban planning and they were like yeah it's not just paris no I there's mean, a rule enforcement problem in a lot of global cities it's very hard and i think i've also heard this i'd be interested to hear your take on i think we've talked about this before um and when you say that by the way you mean personally you offline pers- when we talk about these things yes <laughs> because we have we not know talked each about other before, yeah. on, we have not talked about this before on the podcast for those right. of you that are scrambling to find the episode where we talked about this but uh, I remember somebody told me this years ago, so this is totally total hearsay, but it holds true in my brain, which part of the issue with French um, accountability culture in general, because there's, it feels like there's often just a lack in so many arenas for this. Like my joke has always been that the, the, the cops in Paris every morning get told, we're looking for this today. And if you see anything <laughs> else, don't worry about it. Um <laughs> And it feels very true. I, you can break all kinds of laws as long as it's not the one that they're looking for that day. And I've been told that the reason for that is goes does go back to uh, the end of World War II and the collaboration that was basically because they were having to hold so many people accountable for being collaborators because wow. the country had been so deeply divided under occupation that it was too painful and too... It would have just ripped everything apart to actually hold everyone properly accountable. But in not doing so, kind of set the stage that things kind of have had a slippery slope from there as far as like, well, we'll let this go this time. And you see, as at least for me, I feel like you see that just in everyday life here for when I have been caught, like I, I got a ticket on my bike once for running through a red light. And it's like, we literally do this all the time. This red light even has an, ex- it didn't have an, an exception for the direction I was going, but had an exception. Um, and you're just like, why is, why today? Why once every three years do I get a ticket for this? And the rest of the time, it doesn't matter. It makes it, it can make it kind of hard to feel like, it, I don't know. That, that's, that's a broader oh, life well, in France question. Oh, that's but, a, that's a, that could easily go into territory of, well, when they decide to go after people of color, right? Sure. No, because this is a common, Yeah, but I mean, know. that goes back to like old Napoleonic laws too. Like there's, there's some dark stuff that I didn't mean to pick that rock up, but yeah, that's the no, snake no, no. Under I that hear rock. you. I hear you, but no, that's an interesting thought, and it it wouldn't be that surprising given that they, you know, we they don't take ethnic data uh, for yep. the same reason. Yeah, of being too, uh, too reminded of the danger right. in that's where they that's where that goes back to right it's like we don't want to we don't want to keep lists of who's who's from where and what their religion is and everything else but it does provide the convenient like well we systemic racism know. can't exist nope, because we don't exist. see race systemically 
now we're going to go back to the question I originally asked, which is I mentioned the e-scooters. That's a piece the of news. The e-scooters, that is a good one. So what else do you think is something that maybe travelers should know well, for the, the coming Well, the cool months? thing, I just shared a video about this with you, and I, I, it's not going to be anytime soon, but next year, the hope is that the Seine is going to be clean to swim in. And well, post Olympics. Well, get them yeah, to the, the Olympics first. They're hoping to race. They're hoping to race in the Olympics, right? And then post Olympics. Yeah. Uh, so late next year. I'll put that video in the show notes. For it's a great who video. It's one of my favorite it. YouTube channels. If I can give you, I can give you a long list of YouTube channel recommendations. But Hoog is a great one. It's a Dutch YouTube channel that does English content. It's going to be pretty exciting to see, and it's it's a very historic thing, right? Because all these major cities around the world have been wanting to clean up the rivers for so long. Everybody's made this claim. Jacques Chirac even promised to do it when he was president here, and obviously that didn't happen. And so the fact that they've they still have some big challenges to overcome, and it won't be perfect, but like the idea that we'll be able to swim in the Seine again, and they have three locations in the city for swimming pools set aside. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. That is super cool, and yeah, keep keep tabs on that because. Especially if you're not planning on coming this fall, but you're planning on coming in 2024, yeah. lots of things are going to be disrupted. We have plenty of time to talk about 2024 the Olympics, is going to but... be awesome, though. Like the because like if you're coming in 2024, the city will look like you've never seen before, right? They won't allow scaffolding next year. That's a big tip. Uh, not the entire year, from what I understand. Just it's, up to the Olympics. Well, I think it's a certain no. Uh, um, there's a certain point at which they can't have scaffolding up. That's going to be great. Um. But, but there you, are entire projects that have been kicked off. I know I've been talking to some people who live in buildings that were voting on these kinds of things. They were kind of like, either we do it in 2023 or we do it in 2025. Well, so, yeah, because there's so many restrictions. I think there are a lot year. of people that are just skipping the year. So even if technically it can happen, it won't as much. And even the Louvre, when you walk, I, we were talking about this the other day, the, like the Rivoli side of the Louvre to where the traffic is, is the filthiest part of the whole building. And they've been cleaning it. And I they just took scaffolding off of it a few weeks ago. I, the first time I saw it. And I don't recognize it. Like, Did the, it almost blind you with its sparkle? It's so sparkly. <laughs> so the city's going to be beautiful next year. It's going to be It's going to be really... I'm excited. I'm one of the few... I'm not necessarily the few, but I have a lot of friends that are like not so sure about the Olympics. They're kind of worried that it's going to be overwhelming and are crazy. You are you referring to me? Maybe. Okay. I don't want to throw you under the bus. I'm going to be... I'm very excited for it. I think it's going to be really fun next year. Last thing, yes. and just I want to mention this because this is something you're interested in, less me, but uh, the rugby championship is this month as well. So, sorry, September. In Why Canada. am I interested in this? Oh, I thought. I think you're mistaking me for Matt. Right oh, yes. Now. Matthew Jordan, who I is did. So, our the thing is that the only rugby game I've seen. No, have I seen two? The only rug French rugby game I've seen was with Matt, and we went and watched them beat the All Blacks, and I swore rugby off from there because I was like, that that's peak. I saw I saw them I saw the French do the impossible. I'm out. I'm done. Okay, so I've confused you with many other friends of ours. However, <laughs> for those who are going to be here in September, yes. the World Rugby Championship is taking place or being held in Paris and it's sort of being looked at as a dress rehearsal for yep. the Olympics and how well the French do at handling sort of the Parisian security people. And yes, they have a lot of logistical. Work. Man, I can't wait. That's the other thing I can't wait for is the the opening ceremony on the river. Okay, we'll get there. There's a lot to look forward to. Okay, last thing, quick fire. I know everyone usually hates quick fire I'll, things, I'll but I'm going to... No, I love it. Just two new, uh, I don't know, establishments or shops that you are into and that you think people should check out when they come. Uh, well, Abrico from the other night. That's a bar. great, great yep. cocktail bar. There, get their. I do get their PB and J cocktail. It tastes. It tastes like you're drinking a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. 
And what I discovered that Lindsay tried and didn't manage is that you can get the welcome drink as a cocktail on its own. That's but a to hack. request it. So good. You have to request it, but it's so delicious. As a as an aside, Abrico is the physical uh, plant based cocktail bar uh, that's developed out of Izzy's. Izzy's founded by Allison Cave, uh, co-founded by Allison Cave, and Allison was a previous guest of this show. So, um, you know, just shows how the city... It all city, links together. It all links together and people keep evolving and changing their projects. So Abrico, okay, it and what else? It all links together. And then um, I... It's not the most recent. They just reopened today and I missed out on Chulita. You love this place. It's a okay. torta, torta place that is delicious and I'm sad I missed it today. They're well, really, really good. I discovered them like six months ago, maybe, but still. And you have plenty of so other good. opportunities so good. to go back for a sandwich. Jay, thank you so much. Paris in My Pocket is the guide, the website, the video subseries. Where should people go? ParisInMyPocket.com is great if you want to get the guide. Also, we set up a discount code for your listeners. So if they'd like to get 10% off, they're more than welcome to it. It's Lindsay10, Lindsay10 at checkout, and they'll get 10% off uh, Paris in My Pocket. So ParisInMyPocket.com. If you'd like to just watch a bunch of videos, Jay Swanson on YouTube, Instagram, wherever. J-A-Y Swanson. And then they can have Paris in their pocket. In their pocket. Jay, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk again maybe about napoleon next time that's right stay tuned stay tuned that's the show for today thanks for listening as always if you're streaming this on spotify be sure to check out a little poll that awaits you pertaining to this discussion just scroll down on the episode page within the app and vote and if you enjoy the show i'd love it if you'd subscribe share with a friend and pick up the books that inspired it the new paris and the new parisienne Until next time, à bientôt.